0: 24 hours, one day that Jesus is going to spend back here on earth. Not Judgment Day, not the last day, but let's just pretend that Jesus has chosen to come back and to spend 24 hours here on earth. Where do you suppose he would spend his time? Now if you are like probably most church-going Christians, it might be a natural assumption to think that if Jesus were here on earth, surely he would spend his time in a church, that he would be preaching, that he would be sharing his message, or, or maybe he wanted to go bigger than any small-sized church, and he would, he would rent out Petco Park or the new Snapdragon Stadium, and he would preach or teach there. I think that's natural for us to assume. But if we base the reality of how Jesus spent so much of his ministry, we might be surprised that he may be more inclined to spend his 24 hours here on earth on the other side of the tracks. The not so part, not so nice part of town. And in fact, that's kind of what we see as Luke describes or introduces this great lost chapter, Luke 15, as it's often called. And we would expect that, that of the two categories of individuals that are listening to Jesus, we can maybe break it down and say one group were the hearers and the other group was the haters. And we'd assume that it would be the haters who would be made up of the black sheep of society, the really bad folks, the ones that, that are committing the crimes and that the hearers would be the religious folks of the day. And yet, as Luke introduces this account, he says it's the exact opposite. He introduces it in verses 1 and 2, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So the people we would expect would be clamoring to hear Jesus, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, were actually the ones that were hating on him and the ones that we think would want nothing to do with him, say, I, I don't want him to, to judge me or condemn my lifestyle. They're the ones that are actually gathering around Jesus to hear him. And so for that reason, I think this falls into this theme of a hard truth for us to realize that Jesus is willing to leave the found so that he might find the lost. And that applies to us, doesn't it? To recognize that that we would think and presume that Jesus, most of his time and attention would be to those who have already been rescued, those who have already been found, but it's so clear in these parables this morning that Jesus also cares deeply about the lost. Now, if we were to to kind of do an assessment of, as a congregation, and this could really apply to any Christian congregation, if you were to do an assessment on how much of our time and our energy and our resources goes toward really serving us, the church, and how much of our time and our energy and our resources goes toward finding those outside of the church, I think we'd all have to agree that it's very lopsided, isn't it? That the bulk of every Christian congregation, the bulk of their time, energy, and resources is spent and directed on those who are already Christians. Now you might think that I'm bringing that up to scold or to shame, and I'm not. Because that's doing exactly what Jesus has called his church to do. We are called to take care of each other. We are called to serve each other and love each other, encourage each other, build each other up. And in my opinion, you as a congregation do a marvelous job of that. And in fact, this balance is actually reflected in our service folder, isn't it? That tension that exists in a Christian congregation. Our logo as a congregation, the little tagline, says seeking the lost, serving the found. So I'm not pointing out that we're wrong in serving the found, but rather emphasizing that Jesus has called us to a balance in mission. He has also called us to, to seek the lost. And he illustrates that in the parables that he shares with us this morning. So if rather than pitting the two against each other as if they're somehow opposed, or being the congregation that says, well, we're real serious about discipleship and growing in our faith, or the congregation that says, well, we're real serious about the lost and evangelism and outreach, let's see that Jesus calls us to do both and. And yet sometimes maybe it's a little lopsided. And there's a place for us to reevaluate our attention to seeking the lost. And if we're going to, to recognize that that is a, a big part of what Jesus calls us to, then we can look at his mission for us this morning. And what do we see through the parables that Jesus shows us? We see that he has a very personal and very persistent passion for the lost. You notice the personal nature in each of the parables that he tells. That even though the man had a hundred sheep and, and he only lost one, he doesn't say to himself, well, what is one sheep? I've got 99 more. I'm good. I'm taken care of. I've got nothing to worry about. And even though the woman had ten coins, she lost one. She didn't say, that's no big deal. Ten is more than enough to pay my bills and, and enjoy life on the side. No, each of them cared very personally about the one that was lost, even willing to to leave the remaining for the sake of the lost. And what does that illustrate? But but that Jesus, too, cares very personally about each and and every soul, every single soul. Illustrated maybe by a, a story that you've heard of, a boy walking along the beach after a storm. And as he looked along the the sand along the the coastline, he noticed thousands upon thousands of starfish had washed up on the beach. Knowing that if they were left on the beach, they wouldn't stand a chance of survival, he started picking up the starfish and throwing them back into the ocean. Somebody was watching what he was doing and also taking note of how many starfish were on the beach. He said to the little boy, how can you possibly think that what you're doing is going to make a difference for so many starfish. And little boy knelt down and he picked up one more and he flung it into the ocean and he turned to the man and he said, it just made a difference for that one. That's how personally Jesus cares about every single individual soul. Not only does he take it personally, but he's also persistent in that desire to seek out and to reach the lost. That too was illustrated in the parable. Notice that, that neither the, the sheep owner, the shepherd, or, or the woman who owned the coins, when they found out that one was lost, they didn't just say, well, I'll peek over here real quick. I'll look over there. I'll, spend a, I'll set my timer, uh, uh, but until I, I'll look until I have my next appointment or my next task that comes up, and then I'll call it a day. Look how feverishly, She is described as searching her her house. Jesus says, Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Doesn't she search high and low, leave no stone unturned, leaves uh, everything in the house, every closet, every nook, every cranny? She looks everywhere until she finds it. And that phrase is in each of the parables that Jesus tells, isn't it? Until he finds it. Until she finds it. Persistence that Jesus seeks to carry out his mission to rescue the lost. As we consider this mission of, of Jesus, stop and think how it is that Jesus carries out this mission. He uses, he uses his church. He uses believers. He uses you and me. So it won't do for us to simply stand by and appreciate Jesus' care and concern for the lost. To say, wow, what an amazing Savior. He really does care personally. He really is persistent in seeking the lost. But we've got something else on our agenda or on our mind or we're preoccupied with something else. If if Jesus carries out his mission through his church, and his mission is to personally, persistently pursue all of the lost, then that is our mission. That is your mission. That is my mission. There's not separate missions. And if it isn't, then we have to be honest with ourselves and ask, am I more concerned in this life with carrying out Jesus' mission or my own? whatever that might be. But if I am aligned with with Jesus' mission to seek the lost, then let's take a moment and reflect on exactly who are the lost in these parables. More often than not, these two parables and the third one that isn't included this morning because it's a a separate reading that, that gets a whole Sunday to itself, the prodigal son, More often than not, these these three parables are used to illustrate or emphasize the importance of evangelism and outreach and and going out and reaching the lost. And that, that certainly is a part of it. That can't escape our notice. But let's not confine it to that. Let's not limit the significance of the lost to mean only those who have always been in the darkness of unbelief. Because take note, as Jesus introduced the parable... How many sheep were there at first? One hundred, and then one left. How many coins were there at first? Ten, and then one left. So in other words, those that were lost were not always lost. They actually belonged at one point. So Jesus here is not just calling us to go witness to the world, But he says, I also want you to have on your radar your brothers and sisters in Christ, your sons, your daughters, your spouses, your neighbors, your co workers, your church members, those who used to be actively engaged and involved in their congregation, who now are either lost or dangerously drifting toward being lost. That Jesus cares about those lost too. So how do we seek them out? The first step is that we have to, we have to identify them. And that means that we have to stop lying to ourselves about those members who have drifted away and pretending that even though they haven't listened to their Good Shepherd's voice in months or years, that they're still interested in following their Good shepherd. We have to stop stop lying to ourselves and pretending that even though they have had no involvement in their congregation, they have had no engagement, they have expressed no desire to be shepherded by their pastor or elders, and yet they are still among the found, we need to stop kidding ourselves. We need to stop lying to ourselves also that 100% of that responsibility falls on them when every one of us, by virtue of joining a Christian congregation, has taken on the responsibility to care for every soul in our midst, including the drifting, the wayward, the wandering. Suppose that later today, right across the street, the Michaels suddenly became engulfed in flames. And as you you watched and worried and and wondered, you notice that that fire had been burning quite a while and you also know that the fire station is not far away at all and yet there's no fire truck, there's no firemen there at all. So after calling 911, you you make your way and you run down to the fire station and when you arrive at the fire station, you see all of the, the firemen lounging around watching a show on their phones, snacking, ignoring the alarm that is blaring loudly right now, telling them there's a fire. And you say, what are you guys doing? There's a a fire right nearby. And here you are sitting, ignoring the alarm and doing nothing about it. Would you understand where they're coming from if they justified their lounging, if they explained to you Oh, we're not all that worried about it, because actually just this week, we were at that very Michael's with all of the employees, and we had a fire safety and prevention presentation for a whole day, so they know, they know what to do in the event of a fire, and how to safely escort everybody out of the burning building. You would say, are you kidding me? get off your duff, get in the fire truck and go over there and make sure that everybody's out of that building. Do you get the parallel? It simply won't do for us as those that that claim to care for each other to consider the lost from our own midst who used to be actively engaged to say, well, but he went to our school. But she went through our membership class. But they used to be very active. They were every Sunday attenders. Rescue them. Be a part of the rescue mission just as Jesus is passionate about the lost who have always only been in the darkness. He is equally passionate about those who are dangerously close or already backslid into that darkness again. Why do we do this? Why do we care? Because we rejoice that Jesus had that same persistence and passion, that same personal care for each and every one of us. That he did what it took to come and rescue us from that darkness. And we rejoice every time that we gather together with a complete confidence that he has rescued us that there are no strings attached. We rejoice each and every time we gather in this place to be reminded and confident completely that every confessed sin has been canceled. We rejoice in knowing that Jesus makes the same promise to everybody out there as well as those who used to be right here. And we rejoice Because it's that same confidence that that tough as it might be allows us to to embrace God's plan when one of the sheep in our midst who, who was feeding on the pastures of God's word here now has departed or soon will be and is feeding on the pastures in heaven with their good shepherd. And we rejoice as the angels do every single time, even just one sinner, repents and comes to faith in Jesus. We rejoice and we celebrate. And then, brothers and sisters in Christ, we get together the search party once again and we go back to work to rescue the lost. Amen.